Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and I would like for you to listen as this message really is about that song. It really is. Because that song, to me, indicates uh, exactly what this passage of Scripture teaches. Our first priority as Christians in America. What is that? In the midst of all that is taking place, what should you and I be doing in the, in the face of, of moral disaster? By the way, if you did not receive a, a, a worship guide, did anybody not receive one? Good. Okay. We got one, two. Good. Three. All right. I'm sorry. I should have asked. Those guys were great. You, did, you guys did great. I, I forgot to ask. So get one of those, and, uh, and we, will, we will begin. I love our country. I really do. I thank God for the privilege it is to be a citizen of the United States of America. When we returned yesterday from Australia, uh, we, we flew into Dallas because the flights were cheaper. When we landed in America, we, we love, I, I love Australia. I mean, I, I tell you this, if I, if I wasn't living in America, I would love to live in Australia. It's a great country. I, I've had the privilege of going there for the past seven years and uh, do, doing a revival meeting. We had 20 saved in a big youth festival there. Um, it, was, it was really really amazing. In fact, one service, we had 100 lost teenagers in, in, in one service. And uh, there were about 400 kids there, but about 100 of them were for the first time, had never heard the gospel before. 20 of those got saved. That's a pretty good percentage of people in, in a country that is really just unchurched, completely unchurched, and anti, uh, anti at least anti-Christian. Not so much, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, People who believe in, in God, but, but many and most that aren't saved there. Most don't go to church at all. They're unchurched. So we had a great, great, great first couple, three days at that youth festival. Then on to Hillsong and had an amazing time. And I love Australia, but I'll tell you, there is nothing like America. I mean, in, in every facet. Uh, just no way to describe the blessings of being an American and of living in this country. And so I want to go on record initially as saying that I am so thankful today to be uh, an American, to be in our country. And I've learned, though, as a Christian, that I cannot have any love that is greater than my love for Almighty God. And I hope you've learned that. I've, I've learned that. I, I, I've learned the longer I am a Christian, the more I realize that I can love nothing more than I love God. And however I love the Lord has to be measured through the love that I have, or however much I love America, rather, needs to be measured through the love that I have for God. And so that's a great question for you to ponder for just a moment. You know, in the midst of all of our patriotism in the red, white, and blue all over the auditorium, which is phenomenal and fantastic and beautiful, and the dec- aren't the decorations great? I appreciate this. It's fantastic, and it's very patriotic. But the truth of the matter is, is that we should not love the red, white, and blue of America more than we love God himself. And we need to measure our love for our country by how much we love God himself. And though Christians have been involved in cultural problems for years, in fact, uh, I remember growing up in an America that had a huge movement called the Moral Majority. And the, the, uh, the energy and enthusiasm behind this group of believers who came together for ultimately a political purpose. And it was a tremendous testimony uh, of God's people uniting together. Of course, that has long since been dissolved, and I'm sure it was a good thing for our country. 
But there is no political answers to the problems that we face today. We've got to understand that. We've got to realize that there's no political answer. It's not who we elect. It's not going to solve the problem. It isn't getting the right person elected. Do you understand that? That's not, that's not the, the answer to America's issues today. It isn't getting the right people on the Supreme Court. That's going to solve the problem, right? It isn't, going to, it isn't getting the, the wrong people elected. It isn't getting the right people elected. Eliminate this idea of, okay, it's who we have in office that will, will, will make the difference in the spiritual temperature of our country. I believe it's right to vote. I do vote. I, I actually would go as far as to say, uh, you know, I feel so strongly about voting that I, it, it, it disturbs me and even borderline angers me when I know of someone who, who does not vote. But the problem is not that. The problem is in the hearts of people. That's the problem. So my focus today is going to be on the Word of God in church, not on America, but on the Word of God and on the house of God and the people of God. We cannot walk away from our, from our responsibility as God-fearing Americans. And the church has always done better as the cultural minority as opposed to the cultural majority. We've always done better. We've always had more success. You trace back church history and you'll find that it has always been when, when things like a Supreme Court decision to approve and validate same-sex marriage as a country, that has been when the church has risen up and accomplished more for the cause of Christ than any other time. And so we are better off, as far as the church is concerned, as, as the cultural minority. You see, it is the gospel that transforms, not nationalism. The gospel is what changes lives. It's not, it's not laws and rulings. That's, that's not what's going to make the difference. It is the gospel that transforms. And so I want to give you uh, just uh, four thoughts about our text today. So look at the text with me. Very familiar passage of Scripture, but so important and so powerful. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Let's just take that entire passage of Scripture and let's just break it down for just a moment and really really pay close attention to every single word in that passage. First of all, if my people, which are called by my name, all right, let's say that together. Everybody with me. You've got it in front of you, on your phone, on an iPad, on your Bible. Let's say it together. If my people, which are called by my name. One more time. If my people, which are called by my name. So first, the first reference to, to, to transformation in a nation is God's people. Number one. So, so write this down. While, while pointing, here's the, first, here's the first issue I see as, as, as America. Here's the first priority where I see we have, we have gone wrong. While pointing to society, we have often forgotten to look at ourselves. While pointing to society, and that's what's happened this week, in the, these past couple of weeks. We are pointing to society. And I, I'm not, hey, listen, I am just as alarmed this is not to be a critical message at all. Not at all. I'm not thinking about different statements that have been made by Christian politicians, by 
by pastors, by denominations. I agree with, with 99% of what's been said publicly uh, in, in opposition to what happened. But I truly believe that the first priority of the church is to look within. When something like what happened a couple of weeks ago happens in our country, according to Scripture, it is, it is God's people that need to, to first point at themselves. We need to look at our lives. We need to examine our lives. Everybody in this room. Not society, but ourselves. The problem is not primarily out there. The problem is in here. It's not in society, but in the saints. It's not in the culture, but in the church. And before we can make a difference in society, we have to make sure we are godly people. And so we cannot elevate the flag over the word of God in prayer. Even on a day like this. Even on a day when we recognize our, our, our independence over 200 years ago. And all of the things that go along with that. And the patriotism. When they asked me, should we sing patriotic songs today? I thought, not today. Not because I'm against them. Not because I don't think we should sing them. And we sang them a few weeks ago. We, we and I'm all for that. And, and you're looking at a, a patriot here. But I think the emphasis today needs to be on the church. The emphasis today doesn't need to be on society or even our nation. But on the church. It's our first priority. God has called us to reach men and women for Christ. That's the best way to change the culture. The best way to change the culture is to reach people with the gospel. You understand that? Again, not to elect politicians, but to reach people with the gospel. And so I, I, I have a quote that I want to put on the screen. And I want you to think about it. It's not in your notes, but it's just something I, I, I thought about this week. Our job is not to save America, but to see Americans saved. Our job is not to save America. You know, I, I, I feel as if we, if we get caught up in saving America and saving our nation, and, and we, we, we lose sight of what our real purpose is as believers. Let's just face it, guys. Our country one day will not exist. This country is going to be gone. The end is, 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 is near, whether it's a year, 10 years, or 100 years. And again, without time to develop a, a, you know, a, 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 that thought or, 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 or that message or that prophetic statement I, that's basically in Scripture, I, I simply draw your attention to our main responsibility not to save a country but to save the people in the country. And so here's my challenge to you this week, and that is this. Share Christ with someone this week. If you want to change the culture... Share Christ. Find somebody to talk to about Jesus. I'm telling you, that's what this country needs. It needs people who are sharing Jesus in their workplace, in their homes, in in their communities, uh, in in casual conversation, just sharing Jesus, looking for opportunities to bring the subject up, to just talk about Jesus, to randomly say a word for Christ, to just speak up for Christ. Jesus Christ. That is what is going to change the culture. I think we've been looking in the wrong place. We've got to look first at ourselves, our personal walk with God. You see, without question, the majority of believers are not sharing Christ on a weekly basis. 
We know that. We just understand that there is such a need for every one of us to take that seriously and to really begin to share Jesus. You know, we, we could, uh, I believe we could see this community turned upside down for Christ if each one of us just this year would share Christ with one person. One person. It's easy to point at the culture and to criticize the culture and the nation and the Supreme Court decision because that takes the attention off who God says we should be looking at. Ourselves. If my people, which are called by my name. So number one, while pointing to society, we've forgotten to look at ourselves. Number two, notice back at the text again. If my people were to call by my name. All right, let's say the next three words together. You ready? Shall humble themselves. Say that with me. Shall humble themselves. One more time. Shall humble themselves. So the second thing I want to draw your attention to is those three words. And the second priority I think we have, we have overlooked is this. Not only while pointing to society have we forgotten to look at ourselves, but while standing up for right. While standing up for right. Boy, I'm glad she took a stand and, and he took a stand. And boy, they really, they really said something that needed to be said. And, and they quit their job for their, for their beliefs. And we stand up, but while standing up, we have forgotten to kneel down. We've forgotten to humble ourselves. We have stood up for what's right. And yet we have forgotten that Jesus says the first thing we need to do is, is kneel down. Is humble ourselves before God and cry out against the culture, yes. But with humility. With tears. With compassion. You see... I grew up in in a in a atmosphere of correction. It was all about correcting people and not connecting people. And you're never going to connect someone to God by correcting them. The best way to connect someone to God is love them and have compassion on them. And by reaching out to them and connecting them and inviting them to church, you say, yeah, but what if they're this or what if they're that? We already know that. We know that, 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 that sinners are sinners. We know how we once were before we met Christ. And, and, and so what we've got to do is be more concerned with connecting people than correcting people. You see. In order to do that, we've got to kneel down and humble ourselves. I'm so thankful for those who stand up. I really am. In fact... One of the first things I did when I got back to the States is someone approached me uh, with this, you know, awesome testimony of someone who took a very bold stand for God publicly. And I'm grateful for that. And I think that's wonderful. And I'm not at all against a bold, even a, a vocal stand for Jesus. But I believe if it's done without tears and compassion and a broken heart and out of humility... Not of knowing that that's where we would be if we had not met Christ. Then it's wrong. And so we need to stand up, not in an arrogant way. Yes, stand up, but not before we have knelt down. Knelt down in prayer and asking God to change our nation uh, from the inside out. Right here in the church. This is where it begins. The change of America will begin in this place. 
It's easy to, to stand back in, in a proud, arrogant way. But it's different when we bow in prayer and say, Oh God, heal America, heal our land. You know, it's interesting in the Old Testament. If you look at the Old Testament and study the Old Testament in all the different countries, especially the country of Israel, obviously, no, that's, that's, that's God's nation. And as you study that nation and the prophets of the Old Testament, they confronted sin. They were very bold in confronting sin. But as they confronted sin, before they did that, they took ownership of the sins of their nation and of the people who committed those sins. Let me give you an example. It's on the screen. Nehemiah, chapter number 1, verse 6 and 7. Nehemiah said these words about his nation. He said to God, Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night. Listen to these words. For the children of Israel thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which... This really kind of stunned me at first, because I read this, and I, I had to go back and read it again, because I thought, well, Nehemiah wasn't committing those sins. But Nehemiah said, we've committed those sins, which we have committed, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. Verse 7, he says, we've dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments and the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commanded thy servant Moses. Nehemiah takes responsibility for the sins of the people of the nation he lived in. Nehemiah humbled himself. He prayed himself. He bowed himself. He took personal responsibility. As opposed to pointing fingers, he first said, before I'm going to stand up against sin, I'm going to bow down and confess sin. And so today, as we look at a nation on this day that is in trouble and that is definitely not any longer, truly any longer, a majority of of Christian people voicing uh, their love for God. We see that has been reversed in our country, and yet we have a greater responsibility to confess and to repent and to pray for America. And then thirdly, I want you to notice verse 14 again, and as we go to that next little phrase there, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, and then let's look at the next six words, and pray and seek my face. So say that with me. And pray and seek my face. So number three. The third thing that I think we need to understand and the third priority that we need to look at that possibly we have avoided is this. While seeking for solutions, we have forgotten to seek God. While seeking for solutions, we have forgotten to seek God. Again, our solutions are not found in the political process. Our solutions are not found by the Supreme Court's decision and ruling. That's not the solution. Oh, we're done for. Look what the Supreme Court has done now. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not, we, we should not even really, honestly, that should not be a concern or worry of ours. We should be more concerned that we are not seeking God. By the way, every godly politician knows this to be true. That the answer is not in Congress, and the answer is not in the executive branch of government, and the answer is not in the judicial system. The answer is in God. It's in God. It's in and pray and seek my face. God says we need to, first of all, realize that before anything else, have we prayed? Have we sought the face of God? It's amazing how many times 
I talk to people in the church. It's, it's just, this is the majority of times, not the minority. Nine times out of ten, when people talk about the mess they're in and the problems they're having and all the struggles they're facing, they begin to talk about what they've done to try to handle those problems. You know, we've tried everything, Pastor. We, we've been here. We've done this. We've talked to this person. We've been to this counseling. We've been here. We've been there. We've done all this. And then ine- inevitably, one of the next statements that it may not come out like this. This isn't always the quote, but I'm going to say it in a quote fashion here. I guess really all we can do now is pray. And what they just did was they took the most powerful force known to mankind and reduced it to the last resort. Well, I guess we've tried everything else. I guess now we should pray. That should be our first option. Our first option should be prayer. I don't know how this is going to go over. I really don't. I, and I, I guess th- this, this is arrogant, isn't it? Yeah, I'm talking about not being arrogant, right? And I was fixing to say, and I really don't care. <laughs> That's a pretty arrogant statement there. So I do care how it goes over. But I guess I'm going to do it anyway. That's what I mean. But at Teen Revolution this year, on Monday night, we're not having preaching. And I'm really concerned. I really am sincerely concerned as to, as to how that will be taken this year. We've got a lot of churches coming, hundreds, well over 1,000, uh, you know, maybe upwards towards 2,000 people that will be there in Gatlinburg here in a couple of weeks for this teen revolution. And yet I'm convinced in my mind that we don't need a sermon Monday night. We need a prayer meeting. We've got to cry out to God as a first resort. It is not going to be this sermon that changes America. It's going to be what you do this week with God. It's going to be how often you take time to cry out to God and just simply speak to Him about your problems, your sins, things you're struggling with. Let's not reduce the most powerful influence in the world to a last resort. And pray and seek my face. It must not end there. It must start there. That must not be the last resort, but rather the first resort. And if you look at the great awakenings in our country today, all the different great awakenings, if you look at the history of great awakenings, I I think, and again, I'm not a super historian on on prayer awakenings, rather great awakenings, but I do know that there have been at least four, and I know that... Back in the mid-1800s, there was something called a prayer revival where somebody by the name of Jeremiah Lamphier started a prayer meeting that over time grew into prayer meetings of thousands upon thousands of people. They actually called this revival, they called it a revival of prayer. A revival of prayer. How great would it be if we had in our church a revival of prayer? And listen... It's not going to be something we can do on Sunday mornings. We don't have the time to have a huge prayer meeting. We've got our worship time. We've got the preaching time. We've got fellowship time. We've got an hour and 15 minutes. And then we've got the next service. And and things move quickly. And there's a lot to happen in this short segment. Where we need to begin to see God move in prayers in our small groups. I ask every small group leader in this room, how much are you praying in your gatherings? How much do we really seek the face of God? And I want to challenge us in those, in those little venues, in those meetings across the campus and the city, uh, community of our great city, how often are we taking time to pray? 
and talk to God. So while confronting others with, rather while seeking for solutions, we have forgotten to seek God. So much more we could say about that. Let me move on to the last, the last thought here, though. Look at the verse again, and we'll conclude the message. Look at verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name. So first of all, again, not pointing to society, but looking at ourselves. Humble themselves. Secondly, we're going to stand, but not before we kneel. Thirdly, and pray and seek my face. We're seeking for solutions, but first we're going to seek God. And then I want you to say this with me, the next seven words, or six words. Say them with me. And turn from their wicked ways. Let's say that together. And turn from their wicked ways. First of all, who is he talking about turning from their wicked ways here? Us. Isn't that kind of, that's convicting, isn't it? So the fourth priority that we have as Americans, as Christian Americans, is this. While confronting others with their sin, we have forgotten to confess ours. While pointing the finger at the homosexual crowd, we have felt really good about criticizing them and forgotten to confess our sin. And that's what Jesus says here. He's speaking to the church. He says to God's people, have you turned from your wicked ways? Have you examined your life? Just four things to think about here as we examine our lives. Am I where God wants me to be spiritually? Pause. Are you where God wants you to be spiritually? This is what God says is the first step to seeing real revival is Am I where I need to be? Am I seeking God? Number two, am I walking faithfully before him? Am I faithful to the things of God, to the word of God? Am I faithful? Am I faithful in my morality? Am I I involved in things I shouldn't be involved in? Am I looking at things that I shouldn't be looking at? Am I involved in, 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 in addictions and sexual sins? Is there th- look at ourselves. Let's look first here before we point out there. Thirdly, am I committed to prayer? Am I committed to prayer? I wrote this down this morning in my notes. Everybody wants to spend an eternity with God, but no one wants to spend time with him now. Everybody wants to spend an eternity with God, but nobody wants to spend time with Him right now. I want to go to heaven, don't you? I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. But what about now? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. He is here. He is in this place, and you and I can experience Him on a personal level. Every moment of every day, God is here. God is with us, and we can pray. Now and spend time with him now. Examine your life. And then fourthly, am I committed to study the word of God? Am I taking time to get in God's word and study his word? I fear that we have preached righteousness and failed to be righteous. And I say that to my shame. That we've preached righteousness. But we have failed to be righteous ourselves as a church. And that's what the song was about. That's what Sonia was singing. Who will rise up? 
Who in the church will, st- will stand and say, listen, we as God's people, it's not about standing up against the world. It's about standing up and confessing to God our need for Him and our desire for Him to meet with us every time we gather. Perhaps the reason we haven't heard from God, perhaps the reason we haven't as a nation experienced His healing is because we have not been righteous ourselves. And so, ladies and gentlemen, Here's what I propose today, and and, and I kind of conclude with this thought, and that is this. The answer to what's wrong out there is what's wrong in here. Humbling, isn't it? And if you don't agree, that's okay. I understand. You know, there could be somebody super righteous in here, and I understand that. I, I I know it's not me. I know I'm I know I've got a long way to go and I've got a lot of things in my life that I need God to work on and I don't need to be pointing myself my finger at people outside the church as reprobates and wicked and I need to look at myself. I know that's what I need. And so I challenge you today in our lives, listen, if our lives are not where they need to be, if if we've got things in our lives that need to be addressed according to what we've talked about here today, I would ask you in just a moment to really seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. And remember to look at ourselves, to kneel down, to seek God, to confess our sins. Yes, I love America, but I love God the most. I love America. I love this country. I love the flag. I love this nation. But the the longer I'm saved... It's not that the less patriotic I get, honestly, I don't, I don't know that I really want to be more patriotic. I want to be more in love with God. I really mean that. And so, uh, you know, I, I show great respect when I sing the national anthem, my hand is over my heart. I don't, I don't go for this stuff. I see a lot of that, you know, people, they don't put, they put their heads down. And, I mean, I'm one of these guys, you know. So I don't think I need to be any more patriotic than I am. I think I'm, I'm good there. I just think I need to be a whole lot more godly than I am. I think I need to pray more. I think I need to read my Bible more. I think I need to be more humble. I I think I just need to confess my sin more. And by doing that, I see a community changing. I see hot springs coming to Christ. I see Arkansas experiencing revival. I see the church rising up and making a difference. I see the Supreme Court decision is not really a big issue. I I see people struggling in their sin, coming to Christ and finding the solution in him. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Is Jesus your Lord? Is he Lord of your life? Have you put him first? Is he most important to you? Are you more involved in in what's on the, in the paper on Monday morning than you are in the Word of God. And so this morning, let's, let's do business with God on behalf of our nation and seeing revival in our nation. Let's do business with God in the church. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I don't claim to have all the answers. I, I don't claim to have preached a, a bombastic message. I, I just wanted to share my heart 
no jet lag. I'm fine. I, I, I guess I, I probably should be more tired than I am after flying for 22 hours yesterday. But I just felt as if this was a great opportunity for me to share what I believe to be the first priority of the church, of Christians in America in this day that we live in. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus your Lord, you don't know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven, I want to invite you to come to Christ. We're going to stand in just a moment, and I would like to invite you just to come. I'll be up front. If you need to be saved, if you need to trust Christ, I'll be waiting, I'll be here. I would love to take a moment and just talk with you more about that decision. And then if you need to come and pray, our invitations are not lengthy, three, three and a half minutes, but enough time to come and pray, enough time to kneel and pray and seek God for a few moments. So if you would like to do that on this day, you do that. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, for your mercy, for your for your love, for all that you have done for, for me, for us, for this church. God, as we begin to consider our country, God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, as a, as a people to rise up. To rise up, Lord, not in an arrogant way, but in a humble way. To choose to, to bow down as we rise up in our hearts, to bow down and to say, God, we are sorry. And God, we know judgment must begin at the house of God. May we look within, may we look at ourselves before we point fingers at society. And God, may we get right this morning. May we as a church confess the sins of our city, the sins of our nation. And we ask you, God, to forgive us, to cleanse us, and to wash us. And God, to make us more like you, Father. And in doing that, Lord, we're going to want to share what you've done for us. We're going to want to be salt and light in this community. And that's what's going to make the difference. It's going to change Hot Springs. It's not the city council or the laws. It's going to be, God, the humility of God's people confessing sin and sharing Christ. So bless now this time we have together this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand together? The invitation is open to come. Come as you are.